Yep, we're on. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Bang Bang Cult. Welcome back. It's good to see you again. Or hear you. Yeah. <laughs> you to hear us. Yeah. Well, it's good to be all together again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, today we decided to take another different turn, I guess, or different... Um, A side road? Side road. Yeah. You know, meandering in the woods. Yes, as you should always do. Yes, because you won't get murdered there, ever. Nope, never. Never, never. So we decided to do curses. Yeah. And the bad luck that they can bring. All the terrible things that come with them. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to flip the quarter. Are you going to be heads? I guess. Okay, <laughs> I'll try to do it good. Cool. Oh, it's oh, tails. Look at Eight. that. Two weeks in a row. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to talk about the Hope Diamond and the curse that it brings to anyone that wears or touches it. So there's a lot of history about this beautiful gem. So bear with me. It's all important, but we have to go back, like way back to the 1600s where it was purchased or stolen i guess depending on who you who you ask i'm gonna go with as most likely stolen but that's a, we'll get there so in the 1600s jean baptiste tavernier good name good name <laughs> a, he was a french tradesman and he traveled down to india and uh he would travel down there and do trips back and forth and bring diamonds up and he would trade them in other countries for pearls and during this time uh the trade the diamond trade was pretty big in india because they weren't discovered in south africa or brazil yet so it was just only found in india oh interesting that is interesting i know and during this time the indians had a very and i mean indians from like india yeah i hope you got that you, i hope you just just clarifying they had very elaborate ideas about these gemstones they believed that they had protective powers and so they wouldn't cut into any of the gems they would just leave them as is the only parts they would cut out would be anything that was like their imperfections and they would wear them to protect them from evil spirits Oh. So it would like absorb the bad spirits around them, almost like a Pandora's box. So if you were to like break them, then you're going to release all the bad spirits. Oh, no. I know. So good thing diamonds are tough, right? Diamonds, diamonds are forever. Yes. Yeah. It puts diamonds. a whole new meaning. <laughs> it literally to that does. Saying. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Uh, so, and you would see, like, if you look back at paintings from this time, you notice that like a lot of the the emperors and kings would be wearing a lot of these gems with the idea being the bigger the better hmm. so uh a lot of the you know, we'd find portuguese french dutch german and english dealers would flock to india to procure these diamonds with obviously our good old friend john john baptiste he was one of the like he was the most he did the most trading because he would get the best deals and whatnot. Yeah. So he made six trips there between 1630 and 1670. And on his return trip in, in 1668 is when he purchased the 
the Hope Diamond, and he sold it to King Louis the Fourteenth, who had just built the Palace of Versailles. Oh, fancy! I know, big old Palace of Versailles. Uh, he sold so the Hope Diamond at this time was a hundred and twelve carats, and it was just a big blue diamond. That's so big. 112 carats. Can you imagine that thing on a ring? It's like, That's a rock. It's insane. And he also purchased another 200 diamonds as well from Jean-Baptiste. So it just was rolling in the diamonds, literally. I wouldn't want to roll in diamonds. No, that would hurt. But, like, he's probably, like, I don't know. He would. <laughs> He'd have someone roll in them to be like, <laughs> yes. Have someone roll in the diamonds for him. <laughs> exactly. And the diamond was so large and so rare that the king actually had an artist create a diagram of it just to record its beauty in case anything ever happened to it. And then he decided to cut into it, obviously, because he wanted it to be more symmetrical instead of the asymmetrical shape. So he cut it into into 67 carats of a symmetrical that's a lot of carrots. That's to a cut lot off. of carrots. I'm like, what happened to the rest of this carrot? Like, you probably could have made like a lot of things. Could have made a whole nother like Literally. 67 <laughs> carrot. <laughs> could have had two of them. Like, t- I, I don't know. But after it was estimated to be thirty three point six million dollars in today's currency. That's how large this. That's a lot. Yeah, I know. If only we had known been alive in the 1600s and gone to india yeah let's just time travel okay sounds yeah. good sounds good deal we'll do that cool so louis would wear simply just wore the the gem on a ribbon he would just have it hanging around his neck that's so heavy it's so heavy he probably had like neck problems but right? he probably had like a humpback he probably like looks like us with our our it's like what's texting. his name with his clock oh flavor yeah. flavor flavor but like diamond yeah, get a clock on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the diamond was passed down as part of the French crown jewels to uh, the kings Louis the Fifteenth and Louis the Sixteenth. And at during that time, they would wear the diamond, and it gained the name of the Golden Fleece. If anyone okay. cares to know, during that time, it's not really a fleece. But I, I, yeah, I think they just were like. Maybe part of it at least <laughs> meant something else back then probably like i don't know uh and then the french revolution happened and a lot of the crown jewels were stolen and the french blue diamond as they called it at this time disappeared for about 20 years until a smaller 45 carat blue diamond was found in london so someone else decided to cut it and they, it was in the possession of an English merchant named Daniel Eliasson. Again. I feel like people are just finding this diamond and, like, cutting bits of it off yeah. to pay bad debts. Just, like, a little here, yeah, a little here, a little, little, here, here, little, little bit there, a little bit there. there. Like, but you Leave a little have... bit of tip in, yeah. in diamond shavings. <laughs> just, yeah. And then covering. Pay my rent. Yep. Just, just shave, like, shave, here's, shave. here's some shave for you. Here's some shave for you. Puts a whole new meaning to that uh, that hand motion where you're. Oh, yeah. Like, because you're, you're literally, like, dusting <laughs> off the blue, the blue yeah. gem. The blue gem instead of throwing bills. <laughs> yes. Like, blue gem. Blue gem. All blue right. gem. <laughs> <laughs> ah, very funny. So, it, 
they believe that this was the blue diamond, but obviously because it was cut, it's not positive that it was. But, I mean, let's be honest, it's a 45 carat blue diamond. I mean, but there could have been other ones. It could have been the shaving from the other one. That's true, because there is the other piece that was missing. Yeah. Which there is, I think, speculation that the other part was the one that was on the Titanic that was part of, like... Ooh. There's some crazy shit with the Titanic now. Yeah, so... It's a whole other thing. So maybe that could have also... But, again, I... That's why the Titanic sunk, clearly. Because they cut it in half. But also because, uh... Never mind, it was a whole... Was it King Tut? No. There was a a mummy. There was part of it. some mummy curse. That's part of it. Yeah, we'll have to look it up. Maybe we'll do that one on next on a, the next. Yeah, because I almost covered it. It's about the curse of the pharaohs. Oh. And supposedly they put this mummy on the Titanic to ship it away because there was a mummy on the Titanic. I don't know if it's true, Shut but supposedly up. they put it in a coffin on the Titanic to get it away from. So you have a combination of potentially half of this Hope Diamond and the Pharaoh. They're just, like, asking for yeah. bad things to happen. Because it was, like, a cursed mummy. Hmm. So. Okay, well, uh, well. It wasn't King Tug, because we have his. We'll do another mummy. curse episode, and we'll yeah. have you cover that one. We'll just cover the Titanic. It'll be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that'll be also be a good one. Okay. So. Then... Uh, the diamond was sold to British King George the Fourth, I think. A lot of these are in Roman numerals, so I'm trying <laughs> my best. I was like, I haven't had to read these in a while. Okay. So. Fourth would be the one and then the V, v right? Yep, so it's the fourth. Yes. It got real confusing when there was like the 14th and the 15th. I, <laughs> you got it. I, I got there. It took me a minute. I'm not. I was like. Okay, I could do this. Okay, so George the Fourth, he celebrated wearing he would wear the diamond as a trophy of for defeating Napoleon. So that was like his prize. Oh. Like I won, I get to wear the blue diamond. But he was kind of crazy and he ended up spending a lot of money and he almost bankrupted the throne. And in eighteen thirty he passed away and the his executor, the Duke of Wellington, sold it to Henry Philip Hope. And this is where the the Hope diamond came oh. from. So we've had the blue diamond, we've had the golden fleece or whatever. The golden fleece, the diamond. There's it's a, just the diamond. The, the just blue the, diamond. That one diamond. The big blue diamond. And when Henry first got the diamond, he just called it diamond number one. Legit. Because he's, you know, that's a fun name for it but after obviously after a few years it was then called the hope diamond and the hope family was very very wealthy they actually helped to finance the louisiana purchase oh yeah so they had a little bit of money just a little bit so they had lots of land castles dutch and flemish paintings and flemish the flemish it's a good word i know flemish sounds like fancy but also like phlegm. Exactly. Know, it's like, it's like the like fanciest <laughs> phlegm, like if phlegm was wearing a crown. and <laughs> Or like a, uh, a beret. Phlegm yes. beret. 
<laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Plum in a beret. All right. But in a course of a few generations, they spent too much money and they actually spent more than they owned. So they had to, um, let's see. So did they get refunding the Louisiana Purchase? I know. Clearly that didn't work out for them. It was a very bad decision. And once, so Lord Francis Hope inherited the, was the last to inherit the, the Hope Diamond. And he made the worst decisions of all of them. He bet on horses, invested in many business enterprises, and had an American showgirl wife. Ooh. May Yohi was her name. Yohi? Yohi? Yes. Good and for him. He, he was just having a good old time. But eventually he lost his fortune and his wife and was forced to sell the Hope Diamonds. Womp, womp, womp. So... Again, like I said, this diamond has had some some luck, some some history. The then the Hope Diamond was purchased by a New York jeweler, jewelry. It's called Joseph Frankel's Sons and Company in 1901. They hoped to make a quick sale and a big profit, but it was just overvalued and they just sat in their vault for 6 years. And in 1907 during the Bankers Panic, or the recession during that time. <laughs> Either option. Uh, it, so it ended up taking a toll on the company, and they were forced to sell it for a lot less than they they had hoped to the Cartier brothers. Ooh. I know. Cartier. The Cartiers. And the Cartier brothers decided to sell it to a wealthy couple named Evelyn and Ned McLean in 1910. The Cartier brothers already had a relationship with this couple, and they knew that they would kind of buy into anything so they decided to come up with a story and make a fun background story to this and oh because this already isn't a fun background right story. it's been like it's owned by enough. like all of these kings and all all of that but he basically applied the moonstone story which is a story about um a gem being stolen by by india it was like a hindu god and it was like marked as its third eye and once they found out it was stolen they placed a curse on it and anyone that wore it would would something bad would happen to it so he basically just said that this stone also was stolen from india and like had a, a curse on it and see Here's the thing. I think I'm less likely to, to buy, buy something it. that's cursed I know. than something that's been owned by royalty. I would be like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's great. But, oh, no, I don't want to die for this diamond. Yeah. But they bought into it, and they bought this diamond. They were all about this idea. Well, I guess they knew their client. They knew. They were like, okay. So, yeah. So, basically, they said it was stolen from India, cursed by a Hindu god, and blamed the French and the Turkish revolutions on its... Men- menacing influence <laughs> again rich people be crazy right <laughs> okay what? so so evelyn brought it back to washington and she would wear it to at extravagant parties and just paraded around in it in washington because she lived in washington dc and she eventually used it for charitable events so if you bought like a, a ticket for a raffle you got to hold it that oh, was the prize. That's the prize. That was the prize. And she even was kind enough to lend it to brides as there's something blue. Oh, how sweet. So sweet. Can you imagine though? It's like this like huge 
thing. It's ginormous. Like you, then again, I feel like the dresses back then were bigger too. What year are we in now? We are in 1910. Yeah, the well, no, like I guess they were still still big, groovy. but yeah, but still like I, I can't imagine. And she even was crazy enough that she would let her Great Dane Mike wear on his neck as well. Okay, it's 1910, and her Great Dane's name is Mike. I know it's kind of amazing. I kind of love her, but, like, hate her at the same time. Also love that her Great Dane's wearing it. I know. That's Like, she's just so rich that she's just like, yeah, whatever. Enjoy it. Yeah. It looks good on you. But his poor neck. I know. But he's like a horse, so I guess it it works. But still not great. It'd be funny if it was an actual horse. I know. And they, like, just called it a Great Dane. They're like, oh, yeah. So he probably got sold a, a horse that, like, a pony, and they're like, yeah, it's a Great Dane. Yeah. The background story is the it's from. <laughs> uh, well, everything kind of took a turn for the worst in 1919 when her 10-year-old son, Vincent, was struck down and killed by a car. And this led people to believe that, including the newspapers, that maybe, in fact, the Hope Diamond was cursed. Hmm. Even the newspaper was talking about it and, like, made headlines of it. And because this was during the time of the it was people were intrigued by curses, including mummies and the Titanic. So people were really fascinated by the curses. Yeah. So they really latched on to the idea that this was a cursed gem. And I think that people that were less fortunate really enjoyed the story that the moral of these curses was that the somehow the wealthy who flaunted their wealth by obtaining the treasures of others we're not getting we're getting their punishments from higher supernatural powers. So like rich people were wearing these like gems and like flaunting it and then they were getting like punished for it for like just being so flashy. Oh, that's interesting. So I think like poor people were like, "Okay, yeah, you're letting your dog wear your gem." Like maybe. Yeah. Well, hopefully the dog didn't get punished. I think the dog's okay. I don't think that the supernatural powers would ever harm a puppy. Because they're just, like, innocent. I'm going, yeah, they're innocent bystanders. They don't, they shouldn't be. Yeah. We're going with that. Yeah, good idea. Going with that. Stick into our story. (laughs) No matter what you say. Uh, So the gem story soon amplified when everything actually fell apart for Evelyn. First, her mother-in-law died. Her husband left her for another woman, went bockers, and later died in a mental hospital. Her daughter died of a drug overdose, and she eventually had to sell the Washington Post, their family newspaper. She just had to sell the Washington Post. She just had to. You know. (laughs) Rich people problems. Rich people problems. uh, I guess we'll get rid of that one newspaper we own. Maybe it's because they were talking shit about her cursed (laughs) jewel. Don't support her. And somehow during this time, she wrote an autobiography. And she actually just expressed ambivalence about the Hope Diamond, just kind of like poo-pooing the fact that there was a curse on it. But other times she would say maybe it was payback for all of her like frivolous spending. So she kind of went like back and forth, I think. Hmm. But I, c- I can see that. Yeah. Like, wishy-washy. Wishy-washy. Like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And eventually Evelyn died in 1947, and her family sold the Hope Diamond to Harry Winston, and eventually the diamond was sold to the Smithsonian. So, as they continued to research this gem, it's actually believed that the stone affected an additional nine victims. 
Oh. So, as I said, there was a lot of history, and there's a reason I went into all of it. So, the first victim is the guy that started it all, Jean-Baptiste. The story goes that the French gem merchant came down with a raging fever as soon as he purchased it, or stole it, we don't know. And after he died, there's rumors stating that his body was ravaged by wolves. Ooh, how in the world? I don't know. I guess probably just you just die in the woods. It's just like maybe it was like this. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Our second victim is King Louis the Fourteenth. He was the one that first decided to cut it. He died of gangrene, and all of his legitimate children died in childhood. Shitty. Dun dun dun. And to be then, fair, though, I feel like a lot of kids... It wasn't uncommon. Yeah. I think he maybe had one that lived, but it sounds like most of them died in childhood. Mm. But again, yeah, it was pretty common, and gangrene was pretty common, but still, it's believed. Maybe. He cut, he was the f- he cut the diamond. It's all his fault. He started it Everything. all. Then our third victim is Nicolas Fouquet. He worked for... <laughs> I, again, I'm French name. I don't know. I'm not... I'm just... Nicholas Fuckett, obviously. <laughs> Nicholas Fouquet. 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 Fouquet all. <laughs> well, he worked for Louis Fourteenth and wore the diamond for a special occasion. And shortly thereafter, he had a falling out with the king and was banished from France. And then the king decided to change his mind and sentence him to life imprisonment in the fortress of Pignerol some fortress but rumors state that they think that he was the true man in the iron mask oh hey leo yes twist twist so the iron the the iron mask was because of the hope diamond interesting you have that to think and then diamond thanks hope diamond torturing our nightmares (laughs) these 10 victims so we could have a movie with leo in it (laughs) And then our fourth and fifth victim are a package deal. It's King Louis and Marie Antoinette. And we all know it. Of course. We all know what happened to them. They let them eat cake. They let them eat cake. So, but the worst was the sixth victim, who was Marie Louise. And she was uh, a member of Marie Antoinette's court and was her closest confidant. She was killed by a mob, hit with a hammer, decapitated, stripped, and disemboweled. They then took her head and put it on a spike and walked it over to Marie Antoinette's jail oh. and, like, put it in her window. Ugh. So I feel like... It's, it's, like, the worst kind of puppets. It's the worst. And so she, unfortunately, got the worst of it, I think. But she also wore the... She wore it. The seventh victim is William False. He was a Dutch jeweler who recut the diamond again. And he was murdered by his son, and then his son killed himself. Oh. No reason why? Just There's no reason, just... Hope Diamond problems. Hope Diamond curse. At it again. Our eighth victim was a Greek merchant. Simon, can't say his last name. He owned the diamond, and he drove his car off of a cliff, killing himself, his wife, and his children. All right. And then we have our final and 
final victim, our ninth and final, hopefully, James Todd. And he was the mailman who delivered the diamond to the Smithsonian. Aww, I know, I told him I was just doing his job. Right? But he had his leg crushed in a truck accident. He's suffered a head injury in another accident. And his house burned down. All three separate occasions. <sighs> just because he touched the box to bring it to the Smithsonian. It's the worst. So... That, my friends, is the Curse of the Hope Diamond. So, it's on display at the Smithsonian, right? Because I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. I remember seeing it. Yes, it's there. It's like, now it's a big blue diamond, and it has diamonds all around it. And then the necklace has diamonds. So, it's been zhuzhed up a few, a little bit. Yeah. I just Googled it so that I could remember. Yes. Yeah. So I totally saw it at the Smithsonian. Yeah. So, it's really pretty. But... I mean, it's I. It's pretty. I mean, it's, it's a big way blue. smaller now. Well, yeah. It used to be 112 carats. Now it's only 47. It's like itty bitty now. I know. Shh. But I wouldn't recommend Shh. stealing it because I really want to keep looking at it. Yeah. So that's the, the Hope Diamond. Okay. All right. 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 <laughs> okay. We're going to take a trip. We're going to go to North Yorkshire, England. Ooh. We're going yep. back. We're going back to England. Okay. It's a popular place today. Aye. And we're going to talk about Thomas Busby and his favorite chair. Okay. Disclaimer. This one's pretty short. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, there's a lot of variation within these stories about... Thomas Busby in his chair. Um, there aren't a ton of new news articles on the internet from the 1700s to verify what's accurate because, you know, Buzzfeed didn't really exist. And shocker, 1700s. That's shocker. So in 1702, Thomas Busby was a counterfeiter and a drunkard. Yep, using mm, the word drunkard. Yes, he's my kind of man. <laughs> he was married to Elizabeth Audie, and it said that she was a little bit out of his league. Elizabeth's father was against the marriage, and obviously, because mm-hmm. she could do better, and thought his daughter could do better. Understandable. Um. So one night, Audie allegedly came to the inn where Busby and his wife lived to take Elizabeth away from Thomas. And when Thomas came home, Audie was sitting in Busby's favorite chair. The men argued, and it's alleged that they were arguing over two different things. Audie was arguing over taking his daughter away from Thomas, and Thomas was arguing because Audie was in his favorite chair. There are mixed accounts of what happened next. Thomas either strangled Audie or bludgeoned him to death with a hammer. And either of those, those things either happened then or later that night at Audie's farm. Not really sure. But something happened. Something happened because Audie died. Bye. And Thomas was found guilty of the murder and sentenced to death by hanging. And his body was hung from a gallow for several days following. 
Ugh. Yeah, just so people could look at it. God, it's so dark back then. Right? <laughs> like, I think back to it, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, like, I'm good. I don't, I, I don't need, need to, to see, see that. that. No. Well, I guess it taught people to not murder. I mean, I, I don't Maybe. murder, but... Mm. Maybe. 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 I don't, I don't know if it worked or not. So, before he was hanged, Audie was allowed a final request. His final request was one last drink. Of course. He chose to have his last drink in his favorite chair. And minutes before being taken away for his execution, he insisted that death shall come swiftly to anyone that dares to sit in my chair. And he wasn't lying. Since then, people who have sat in this chair have met an untimely demise. So at some point, the inn was renamed to Busby Stoop Inn. And it's also a pub, I guess. Oh, it's so like an inn above it? Maybe. I think it's like what they do. Yeah, I think so. They have pubs and then above it. Yeah. I think that's probably what it is. Um, so for decades, no one sat in the chair. But then eventually, in the late 1800s, a chimney sweep and his friend were at the pub. The chimney sweep apparently sat in the chair, and the next morning he was found dead on a gatepost next to the old hangman gibbet where Busby was hanged. He was on the post? He was on the gatepost next to it. Oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ugh. Coincidence? Maybe. In the late 20th century, the inn changed ownership, and the new owner, Tony Earnshaw, uh, wasn't very superstitious. Wasn't very superstitious, and chalked the deaths up to coincidence. Understandable. Yeah. Right. During World War II, many airmen accepted the challenge of sitting on the chair, and Tony witnessed two airmen in particular of the Royal Air Force dare each other to sit in the cursed chair. Later that day, the men died in a car crash when they hit a tree. Oh, in a car crash. Not even, like... Yeah, not even battle. doing their jobs. Yeah. That's always... Like, sad I mean, it's shitty go. no matter what. No matter, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's not a great way to go. No, it's not. And then, let's see, what else? A young laborer who came in with co-workers was dared to sit in the chair. That same day, he fell off a roof and died, cracking his skull open on the concrete. Do you think he was just drunk and fell off? That's very possible. He was at a pub. He was at a pub, and then he's like, let me go get on a roof right now. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they were just eating lunch at the pub. They were probably drinking. Fish and and chips and a pint, maybe? Probably. That's what I would do. Me too. Mm. (laughs) Now I want fish and chips. Right? The landlord eventually decided to remove the chair from public display, and he put it in the basement. It stayed in the basement for several years until a delivery man that was in the basement sat in it. And an hour later, he crashed his truck and died. No good. After that happened, the landlord donated the chair to Thirsk Museum. The museum transported the chair under tight security so there would be no mishaps. It's still at Thirsk Museum hanging six feet off the floor to keep people from sitting in it. Museum staff are forbidden from even touching it, just in case. 
No one sat in it since 1978. I have some more stories. I just couldn't fit them in a timeline because I'm not sure when they all happened. A cleaning lady bumped into it once while mopping and then died of an aneurysm. During World War II, a truck driver picked up two airmen and they wanted the driver to stop at the pub. While they were in the bathroom, the driver unknowingly sat in the chair. When the airman didn't return right away, he left. And then one of them later found him and he killed him. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh. Straight up murder. (laughs) He, like, helped him and then he's like, thanks, bud, but bye. Bye. Well, I guess they were probably upset when he left. Yeah. They're probably, like, drunk. I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. Rude. One man had a massive heart attack the night after sitting in the chair. A hitchhiker once stopped into the pub for a drink and was hit by a car and killed two days later. However, since all of these occurrences, since it's been at the museum, the chair has been looked at by a historian, and they believe that the chair itself dates only to the 1800s. Oh. So there's no way of knowing if it's actually true. Yeah, if it's actually true, or if this is the same chair, or what. Some people say that maybe it's just the location of where the chair was, Oh. or maybe it is the chair, and... That historian doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't know. Maybe it's all just coincidence and folklore. But I'm not going to sit in it, so. Yep, nope, I'm good. <laughs> um, there is, this was on Unsolved Mysteries, and there was a change.org petition. Okay. Yeah, they wanted them to burn the chair. So clearly people have gone to visit it. Yeah, and they get a weird feeling around it. Yeah, they they want it to be burnt. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, and it wasn't just that. They wanted it to be burnt, and then they wanted um, them to dig up Busby and cremate him as well. Someone's been watching too much Game of Thrones. <laughs> I guess so. Just burn them all. Uh, there's also a band in Detroit named Busby Death Chair. Oh. Okay. Yeah. They must have really had a good feeling from this chair. I mean, I think they're like a metal band. I didn't listen. I would, they have to be a metal band. Like, okay. I'm going to look. Okay. Why not? Let's look it up. Everyone put their put their bets. Do, do, do. Just kidding. Uh, all right. bad no yep there it is all right it's not all that right. bad though it's not off it's not like scream scream it no. might get scream scream um, later but all right not my jam but but all right all right it's very so fitting to that name it is and they're obviously they know what it is so that's interesting and they're from detroit so good for them but that's it that's the whole story of busby's death chair all right. Hopefully, uh, Elizabeth Audie got a better, not as drunk husband afterwards. I hope so. I hope so. I wonder I if she like knows all of these stories or, well, well, she's very dead now. She's soup's dead. Soup's dead. <laughs> <laughs> she might actually bit. be soup now. 
Ew. <laughs> <laughs> like earth soup. Earth soup. Earth soup. Gross. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Um, thanks for listening. Check us out on social media. We are at Bang Bang Cult on Instagram, Facebook. And our email is bangbangcult at gmail.com. And rate and subscribe if you like us. Yes, please rate us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever. All the things. Whatever the things are. Um, appreciate it. Love you. Love you. Okay, bye. bye.